So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite your attention, please, to the Gospel of John, the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, and one verse of Scripture that we're going to focus on this morning. But you need to understand the entire context in which this verse is found. John chapter 15 and verse 22. John 15, 22, and the title of the message today, If Jesus Had Never Been Born, What Would This World Be Like? What Would Your Life Be Like If Jesus Christ Had Never Been Born? So in John 15 and verse 22, he says, If I had not come, if I had not come, he's talking about his birth, his entrance into the world. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Now in this verse, Jesus is not talking about sin in general. I believe he's talking about the unpardonable sin. I think if you study the entire context of what our Lord uh, is involved in, in making this statement, He is simply saying to them that once you have a complete and full understanding of who I am and then you reject that, then you commit the sin of all sins of which there is no forgiveness. That is to know who Jesus is, that he's the son of God, that he died on the cross to save you from your sins And will give you eternal life if you will repent of your sins and turn to him because there is no one else nor any other way whereby you may be saved, then you will be saved. And that is the total complete truth of the scriptures and of the Christmas season that we celebrate. And if you take that truth and you know and understand that truth and you reject it, then there's no other way. There's no other offer. There's no other opportunity. It is in Christ and Christ alone. Jesus was not saying to these people to whom he was speaking that they had never sinned before. They had. All of us have sinned. You remember that the scripture teaches us. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So he was not talking about up to this point you had never sinned. Oh, no. They had just never been presented with the truth of who he was and given the opportunity to repent. And they took that opportunity and rejected it and therefore committed the unpardonable sin. So Jesus was saying, if I had not come, then you would not have sinned. You would have not committed the unpardonable sin. Now notice what he says in verse 22. He makes reference to his words. If I had not come and spoken to them, spoken to you. So the word spoken is a reference to his words. Look at verse 24. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did. So he's talking about his words, the things that he said, the things that he taught. Many called him rabbi, which means master or teacher. So he taught them many ways. We have the Sermon on the Mount. We have many sayings in the four gospels uh, that Jesus said. So he, said, he was saying, if I had not said these things to them, then they would not have sinned. If I had not performed the works that witnessed to me. So he had the words and the works, both of which supported who he was. And they had seen him. They had seen him perform miracles. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him give blind, a sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf and, and, and the strength to walk to those who were crippled. 
He turned uh, water into wine. He fed the 5,000 with a little boy's sack lunch of uh, just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. He multiplied it many times over. They saw his works and his miracles. They heard his parables, his stories, his teachings. They knew who Jesus was, but they refused to accept him and acknowledge him as the Son of God. And consequently, they closed the door to the only opportunity they would have ever had to be saved. And so he was saying, if I'd never come, I want to take that expression then, if I had not come, and use it as a basis for what I want to share with you today about what your life and my life and the world would be like if Jesus had not come into the world, if he had not ever been born. During the Christmas season, there is a favorite film uh, that we like to watch. It's called uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And you remember it's a story, a fictitious story about a man named George Bailey, uh, an actor, uh, a part played by Jimmy Stewart. Uh, It's a story about George Bailey who lives in a small town. Uh, He has dreams and ambitions that when he's old enough and has enough money, he's going to travel the world and go see and do things that he's always wanted to do. But it seems like every time he feels like he's at a point of doing that, something happens and interrupts his plans, and he has never really realized the dreams that he had also uh, had always had. Uh, he comes to the Christmas season, and on Christmas Eve is so despondent that he's ready to end his life. And so he goes out at a bridge, and he intends to jump off the bridge into the icy waters of the river that's below the bridge and end his life. Well, of course, uh, the Lord in the story, again, is fictitious, sends an angel and, his, and his, his name is Clarence, and he's dressed as a human being. He's dressed in a suit and so forth. And it is his task to show George Bailey what life would have been like had he never existed. And so the rest of the story, so it's kind of a takeoff of Scrooge, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge, where he, he goes back and sees all of his life and everything. Only this time, George Bailey goes and he sees all the things that would have happened in his life Uh, and uh, yet some of the things did not take place because he was not there to do so. And uh, so at the end of the story, of course, uh, he realizes that, yes, life is worth living, and and, uh, although he'd never fulfilled his dreams because he was living and present in the lives of the people of his community, life for them uh, was different and and had changed. Uh, Clarence, the the angel, uh, says to George Bailey at one point, strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? A big hole. And if Jesus Christ had never been born, if he had never come into this world, you're talking about a gap, a hole bigger than the Grand Canyon that would be in existence in people's lives, not only in America, but all around the world if Jesus had never been born. Had he never come into the world, things would be different. There was a, a, a man by the name of, um, if I'll think of it in a minute, uh, anyway, a man <laughs> who told a story about um, a missionary back in Africa. And uh, he's sitting at his desk one time, and the wife of a uh, tribal chieftain comes to his house. As she approaches his house, 
he has hung a mirror on a tree. And as she walks by, she looks in the mirror and she sees herself, but she doesn't recognize herself. And so she goes inside the house and she asks this missionary, whose picture or who is that in that tree? Because she comes out of a pagan background. And uh, so she thinks there's somebody that live, that's living in that tree. And he says to her, there's no one living in that tree. That is what we call a mirror. And you are seeing your own reflection in that mirror. Now, she had tribal markings all over her face. She had a hard look on her face. And she did not like what she saw. And she demanded that the missionary give her that mirror. And he wouldn't do it. And she kept pressing until finally she offered him money and he wasn't going to take the money, but he finally reluctant to give her the mirror. She took the mirror and she threw it on the ground and stomped it and broke it into all pieces because she did not want to look at what she was like. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of James that the word of God is like a mirror and you look at it and you see yourself. Have you ever opened the Bible to a verse of scripture and it says to, says to you, hey, that's me. How did the Lord know that about me? How did the scripture writer know that about me? The Bible is a mirror. And he says, oftentimes people look at the mirror, God's word, and straightway goes away and forgets what they saw. Just like that woman, she didn't want to face up to the fact that she was a sinner. And so she smashed the mirror. And a lot of people do that about Jesus because in the scriptures, when you read it, you see yourself, when you look at Jesus and compare yourself to Jesus, you want to get away from him. You don't want to face up to the fact that you've fallen short of his glory and that you're a sinner and that unless you repent of your sins, you're going to perish. And so that's why Jesus came into this world to show us our sins and to provide for us the way that we can live forever. Now on your outline, I hope you got your outline with you this morning. I've, I've listed 10 things, and uh, don't get all excited. We won't be there that long unless I just get hung up. I can't remember who the author of some of the things that I, I wrote. <laughs> Ironsize was the man's name, Harry Ironsize. <laughs> Told you I'd think of it. It's, just, it's not a senior moment. It's an intellectual interruption is what it is. So what if Jesus had never come? Well, to begin with, we would not mark time as we do it today. We mark time by the birth of Jesus, B.C. and A.D. Now, the word letters B.C. means before Christ. The letters A.D. do not stand for the death of Christ. The letters D.C. come from a Latin term, or, or A.D., I should say. A.D. means anno Domine, in the year of our Lord. So time in history is marked by the birth of Jesus, B.C., before Christ, A.D., since Christ was born. And so whenever you mark on your paper, on your letter, stationary, whatever it is, um, you, you write the date, whatever, December the 13th, 2015, you're marking and remembering the birth of Jesus. If you're an atheist, if you're a Buddhist, if you're a Hindu, if you're a Muslim, whether you understand it or not, whether you realize it or not, when you mark the date, you are recognizing the birth of Jesus Christ. 
And if Jesus had never been born, then we wouldn't be marking life and time and years and centuries as we do now. The, uh, the use of the term B.C. and A.D. goes back to the 5th century. A man by the name of Diogenes was asked by Saint John, uh, Pope St. John I to come up with a way of marking Easter because there were so many different calendars in those days uh, that there was a lot of confusion about when Easter should be celebrated or when we mark the birth of Jesus. And so Diogenes went back and began putting all the dates together and he came up uh, with this, this time of, of A.D. 1. And so since that time, we've marked history that way. So if Jesus had never been born, who, who would we have used as a historical figure to mark time? We mark time because Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Now, notice the second thing. If Jesus had not been born, then we would not have the Bible as we know it today. We would not. The Bible that I hold in my hand, the Bible that you hold in your hand, if Jesus had never been born, we would not have the complete Bible like we have it today. Uh, Someone has said, and one of my favorite expressions about the Bible is, the Old Testament is the flower in bud form. The New Testament is the flower in full bloom. When Jesus was walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they were questioning and upset and doubted uh, about the Messiah because their hopes and dreams for him restoring Israel uh, were smashed when Jesus died. And it says that Jesus appeared to them on the road to Emmaus, and it says that uh, he began to explain to them, he began with the, with the writings of Moses and the prophets, and began to explain to them what Moses and the prophets wrote that's recorded in the Old Testament pertained to him. And so when you take your Bible and... Uh, begin to look in the New Testament. Let me just give you some references here. And, and these all come out of the Gospel of John. And listen to what this says. I'll just run through them. We don't have the time to, to explore all of them. John 12, 38 says, This was to fill, fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet which he spoke. John 13, 18, It is that the scriptures may be fulfilled. John 15, 25, But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in the law. John 17, 12, so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. John 18, 32, to fulfill the word of Jesus which he spoke. John 19, 24, so they said to one another, these are the soldiers at the foot of the cross, let us not tear the robe but cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scriptures. John 19, 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, it is finished. And then John 19, 36 and 37, for these things came to pass to fulfill the scriptures. Not a bone of him shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. These are just a few of the verses of scriptures found in the New Testament that point back to the Old Testament saying these things were done in order to fulfill Old Testament scriptures written by the prophets and Moses and so forth. So if Jesus was not born, if he had never been born, we would not have the New Testament. 
There would be nothing in the Bible at all about anything that Jesus ever said or ever did in order to fulfill what was prophesied in the Old Testament. So we would not have the Bible as we have it today had Jesus never been born. Thirdly, there would be no churches in which to worship because the church, this church, not this building, the church, you understand, the word church in the Bible is used in reference to the body of Christ. And it's also used as a church building. This is a church building, but you and I make up the church. The church of the living God is made up of born-again believers, people who love Jesus, accepted Jesus, confessed Jesus, been baptized and follow him. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And so the church of the living God is made up of believers. Jesus, when he was in the area of Caesarea Philippi, asked, who do men say that I am? They said, some say you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead, one of the other prophets. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed that unto you, but my Father who is in heaven, I say unto you that you are the rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. So the church got its origin and a foundation upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But if Jesus had never been born, there would be no church. There would be no churches around the world. There would not be. There would not be First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches. We would not exist. You would not be here this morning if Jesus had not been born because you would have never heard the gospel. It's hot in here to me. I don't know about y'all i got to get rid of this coat, man. I don't perspire. I sweat. Thank you, honey. Thank you. So if Jesus had never been born, the church would have never been established, and our church would have never existed. We wouldn't be here this morning if Jesus had never been born. Back in 1884, Luther Rice Scrubs came to Nacogdoches, Texas, to establish a church, the First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches. He was a veteran of the Civil War. He followed his brother Thomas to Texas. He was assigned by the Baptist General Association of Texas to initiate Baptist missionary work in Nacogdoches, Texas. On October the 3rd, 1885, First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches, Texas was brought into the fellowship of the Mount Zion Baptist Association at its annual meeting. The annual meeting was held in the Union Baptist Church, which is now known as Old North Baptist Church. They met and organized First Baptist Church. Now, in those days, the city limits didn't go as far out as it does today, so North Baptist Church was not a part of the city of Nacogdoches. The first Baptist Church, spelled with a little elf, the first Baptist church in Nacogdoches, Texas became the first Baptist church of Nacogdoches as we know it today. But our church would not exist if Jesus Christ had never been born. Now, let me pause for an advertisement. You looking for a Christmas present? Yeah. I didn't have anything to do with this. This is a book about the history of our church. Do you know anything about our church? Shame on you if you don't. This book is available in our church office, very inexpensive, James Parton, Jimmy Parton, back here, Jimmy, raise your hand, all right? Jimmy wrote this. He put all of this together, of course, with a lot of help, a lot of research. It tells you all about our church. But this book, this book would not exist 
if Jesus had never been born because our church would not have existed and does not exist if Jesus had never been born. Churches exist because Jesus Christ was born. If Jesus Christ were not born, not only would there be no churches, but there would, no, uh, there would be no um, brothers and sisters. We wouldn't be calling each other brother and sister in Christ. We would not be praying in Jesus' name. There would be no forgiveness of sin, and there would be no hope of life everlasting in heaven. We wouldn't exist today. Oh, I mean, we would still be alive. We just wouldn't be, what I mean, we wouldn't exist as a church. There would be no Christians. There would be no churches. Number four, there would be no gospel to preach. No gospel to preach. Luke 24, 46 says, And Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of all these things. So if Jesus had never been born, not only would there not be any churches, we would have a gospel. There would be no good news. We could not announce to the world that there's hope and happiness and fulfillment in life in the person of Jesus Christ. We could never say anything about the need to be repenting of one's sins. There would be no preachers. There would be no missionaries. There would be no Sunday school teachers. You would never have a revival. There would be no such thing as evangelists and no one to witness and share with anybody else about the good news of Jesus Christ. Jonathan Edwards, who's looked upon as the father of the great American revival that spread uh, th throughout the great, what's known as the Great Awakening, he, would, he preached the great sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. That would have never happened. There would never be a Charles Haddon Spurgeon. There would never have been a Dwight L. Moody. There would never have been a Billy Graham. There would never have been a W.A. Criswell. There would never be a David Jeremiah. There would never be a Charles Swindoll or Tim LaHaye or any other preacher Preachers who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ would not exist. I would not be here if it were not for Jesus Christ having been born. You would never hear about God's grace. You would never hear about God's love. You would never hear about the cross of Calvary. You would never hear about the forgiveness of sin or life after death or a heaven or a hell. None of that would exist. None of it would if Jesus had never been born. Fifthly, there would be no gospel songs to sing. We wouldn't be singing. The beautiful choir that performed this morning and sang, glory to the Lord and so forth, all the, the pageant that we're having tonight, the, the Christmas story, the choirs, the children's choirs, the youth choir, the singing, it, it would not exist. I, I remember reading um, an illustration about Robert Ingersoll, the great agnostic and, uh, and atheist. He didn't believe in God. When he died, there was an obituary that appeared in the local newspaper announcing his death and burial, and there was this one announcement at the end of it and saying, there will be no singing, no singing at his graveside. And why not? What was there worth singing about? He didn't believe in the existence of God. He didn't believe in Jesus Christ. What is there to sing about if you don't have hope and joy in the Lord Jesus Christ? There will be no singing. One of the saddest things that I know of that when one has a funeral service, there's no singing, no singing. Ira Sankey, who was the great singer along with Dwight L. Moody, George Beverly Shea, uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither, Isaac Watts, Charles and John Wesley, Charlotte Elliott. Charlotte Elliott wrote the song, Just As I Am. You would have never heard it 
at one of Billy Graham's crusades. If Charlotte Elliott had not been saved and was inspired to write the song, Just As I Am, songs would not exist to bring honor and glory to the Lord. Songs such as Amazing Grace by John Newton, How Great Thou Art at the Cross, Are You Washed in the Blood, The Old Rugged Cross, Christ the Lord is Risen Today, In the Garden, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, Tell It to Jesus, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, I'll Be There, I'll Tell the World That I'm a Christian, Away in a Manger, Emmanuel, Joy to the World, The Lord is Come, O Little Town of Bethlehem, What child is this? Jesus paid it all just as I am. When I survey the wondrous cross, tell me the story of Jesus, victory in Jesus, silent night, holy night. There will be no songs, no choruses, nothing about Jesus would ever have been sung had Jesus never been born. There would be no Christmas program. There would be no Easter service anywhere in the world if there was no singing because there's no Christ. He had never been born. Number six, there would be no Holy Spirit to guide and comfort you. There would not be. Why? Because when Jesus was here, he said, it would be to your advantage that I go away. If I go away, I'll send the Holy Spirit back. And when he's come back into the world, he will convict and convince the world as to who I am. But if Jesus had never been born, he could not say that. He would not have ascended to heaven after his death and resurrection and he would therefore consequently never send the Holy Spirit into this world. You would have nobody to comfort you. You would have nobody to be your companion because Jesus, when he was here in person, could only be at one place at one time. But by sending the Holy Spirit back into the world, he can reside in your heart and your heart and your heart and my heart all at the same time. But if Jesus Christ was not born into the world, he would not have died, he would not have risen, he would not ascend to the heaven. And he would not send the Holy Spirit back to us. The Holy Spirit, you read the book of Acts. The Bible says the Holy Spirit constantly guided those early disciples. That Paul wanted to go a certain place and the Holy Spirit closed the door. And the Holy Spirit filled this person and that person. None of that would have happened if Jesus Christ had never been born. Number seven, there would be no understanding of who God is. Oh, there would be, an under, there, there would be a belief in God but they would not have a full and complete understanding of who, who God is. Uh, that, that's why you have pagan religions. That's why some people in the world worship idols because in their human, limited, finite understanding of what God is like and who God is, they, they, try, to, they try to come up with some, something tangible. Uh, that's why in, in the Ten Commandments, one of the commandments is, you shall not make unto you a graven image of any kind. Why, why would God for, forbid someone to make an idol? Well, what are you going to use for a pattern? Nobody's ever seen God. You know, Moses wanted to see, see the Lord, and, and the Lord said, nobody can look upon me and live. God is so holy and man is so unholy that one little second of the glimpse of who God is and what he looks like, you would, you would disintegrate. God is just that holy and that righteous. So if you're going to make an idol or draw a picture of what God is like, what are you going to use for a pattern? Nobody's ever seen God. So any image that you would carve or draw would be wrong. That would not be what God is like. You cannot put the infinite into a finite way. And so uh, there's no understanding. How can we understand what God is like? Through Jesus. 
If Jesus had never been born, you would have no inkling of what God is like. Notice what he says in John 1.18. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Some translations use the word declared or expressed. That Jesus Christ is the only one who came out of the bosom of the Father. And it is Jesus Christ who explains who God is. You remember what Jesus said to, to Thomas and to the other disciples in John chapter 14? Uh, Jesus was telling them that he was going away. And, and uh, Thomas spoke up and he said, uh, uh, where are you going? And, and um, uh, show us the Father. And Jesus' response was, well, Thomas, have you been so long with me and you've never seen the Father? Do you not understand that I and the Father are one and the same? If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. And where do you find Jesus? You find him in the scriptures. But if there's no scriptures, how are you going to learn about Jesus? There's nothing there. No Bible, no Jesus. You won't understand him. And Jesus said, if you want to know what God is like, look at me. Look at what I say. Listen to what I say. Look at how I live and so forth. I'm your Savior. I'm the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with you. And so uh, there would be no understanding of the Lord, the concept of God. Uh, you've heard me use this expression before about, you know, in East Texas, we, we see a, a, a child who favors a little boy, who favors his daddy. I mean, he walks like his daddy. He stands like his daddy. He, when he talks, he sounds like his daddy. We use an expression in East Texas, he's a spitting image of his dad. Well, what do you mean spitting image? You mean he's been spit on? <laughs> no. That's slang for spirit and image. He's just like his dad. Well, his dad can't deny him. He looks like him. He walks like him. He talks like him. He acts like him. Jesus, if I may use this expression reverently, is the spitting image of the father. He is the spirit in the image. You, you read Hebrews chapter 1, and he says that he is the expressed image of the Father. Jesus said, I came out of the bosom of the Father. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. But if Jesus had never been born, then one could never expect to understand who Jesus is, who God is, and what he is like. Number eight, if Jesus had never been born... There would be no resurrection of the believers. No resurrection of, in fact, uh, perhaps no resurrection of anybody. But we believe that because Jesus Christ lives, we too shall live. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about the resurrection. And he say, uh, in verse 13, he says, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith is also in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Jesus whom he did not raise if in fact the, red, the dead are not raised. So if Jesus was never born, then there would not be a resurrection of anybody. You'd just die and that would be it. And there would be no hope of a future life. No hope of exchanging your diseased body subject to disease and sin and death and the grave. There would be no hope. I mean, when you're dead, then the atheists are right. You get a hole in the ground and that's it. And you'll just cease to exist and you'll never exist again. 
there would be no resurrection of any kind if Jesus Christ had never been born. Number nine, there would be no education as we know it. Oh, there would be education, but there would not be education as we know it. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. There was a strong belief among the Jewish people that they were to transfer and pass down the teachings of the law of the Old Testament to their children and likewise to their children and to their children. Education and understanding about God was extremely important. It's also true today. Did you know that Gutenberg, who invented the printing press, was the first one to print the Bible? To print out the Bible, the Gutenberg Press. Boy, if you find an original Gutenberg Bible, hold on to it. It's worth millions of dollars. The first book printed off the Gutenberg printing press was the Holy Bible. Holy Bible. Why? Because people wanted it so that they could read it and study it and teach it to their children. Many languages that the, when you see a, a missionary go into an area where there's never been uh, a, a, a good news about Jesus Christ, one of, the, one of their first things is they translate verses of Scripture from the Bible into the language of the people that they're witnessing to and that they're ministering to so that they can learn about Jesus. When the Puritans and the Pilgrims came to America, they came with the understanding that it was going to be a freedom of religion and that they could teach their children. The, the New England Primer utilized the Bible uh, as a teaching element in, in teaching children the, the alphabet, A, B, C. They'd use the letter A and, and take a verse of Scripture or a statement that, that supported it from, uh, from the verse of Scripture. So the, the New England primer uh, was used, uh, uh, the, uh, used the Bible in teaching children the alphabet. Uh, the McGuffey uh, Reader was also uh, a book that was given to children, primary elementary age children, to teach them how to read. And they would use verses of Scripture. Did you know that the major universities in America were originally established to teach people, ministers, how to be pastors? Harvard University was started by John Harvard. He was a preacher. And he do donated his library to Harvard as the first books in that library. Harvard University was established to teach men to be ministers and preachers of the gospel. A far cry from what it is today, but Harvard was not the only one. Yale University, William and Mary, Brown University, Princeton, New York University, Northwestern University, Rutgers, Dartmouth College, and other schools all were established King's College, which is now known as Columbia University, all of those universities were originally established to teach preachers how to preach God's Word and to study the Bible. All of them were. You read their charter statement about why they were brought into existence. Um, an early advertisement for King's College, which is now Columbia University, opened in 1754, a statement was about that college says, the chief thing about King's College 
is aimed at in this college to teach and engage children to know God in Jesus Christ. That's Columbia University, folks, saying that their original intent for existence was to teach their children about Jesus Christ. The president of Princeton University, John Witherspoon, said, Cursed be all learning that is contrary to the cross of Christ. All of those things. I'm not making this up, folks. This is a part of the original charter for the establishment of these universities. And college and education as it was intended to be, has not been because people have slammed the door in God's face. God forbid that we should mention God anywhere in our universities today or in our government. We don't want to offend anybody. Well, I'm offended if they're offended. But we would know it, have, have no education as we uh, should have known it had Jesus never been born. Number 10, there would be no health care for the sick. And primary example of this, of course, is the story that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan, they're talking about this fellow who went down to Jericho, fell among thieves, was beaten up and robbed and left for dead. Along came this Samaritan. He got off of his donkey, went down into the ditch, took care of him, poured oil into his wounds, bound them up, put him on his donkey, took him to a local inn, I-N-N. Did you know that originally there were no hospitals? There weren't doctors like we have them today. No hospitals like we have them today. I, the word hospitable, hospice, hospitable, hospital, all come from the same thing. If there were no hospitals in the day when Jesus told this story known as the Good Samaritan, where did he take him? To the inn. Because that was the normal place, the only place they had to take anybody when there was a need. And what did he do for him? Well, during the night he watched over him, took care of him, Bound up his wounds, changed the bandages, I would think. When he got ready to leave the next morning, he said to the innkeeper, you keep a record of how much you spend in taking care of this fellow. When I get back, I'll reimburse you. And Jesus then said to his disciples, which one do you think of the three men who had an opportunity to minister to this fellow who had been beaten up and left for dead would have done right and showed mercy? And they said, well, the one who showed mercy, he said, go and do thou likewise. So the idea of hospitals and hospices and taking care of people when they're sick and ill and doing all of those things originated with Jesus Christ. And we would not have the hospitals and the health care today except for Obamacare, excuse me. <coughs> I'm sorry. If I offend you, you can come up to me later and apologize to me. Okay. <laughs> but we wouldn't have the health care that we have today had it not been for Jesus Christ. Florence Nightingale, the founder of modern nursing, received much of her inspiration from Jesus Christ. The Red Cross, established by Clara Barton, wished to be called one of the most honorable women in American history. She risked her life to provide supplies to the people in the Civil War. The Salvation Army, founded by William Booth. You hear those little bells ringing and little red kettles there in these stores that you approach and they want money. Uh, Salvation Army, what do they do? They care, take care of the sick and the down and outers and the misfortune. And William Booth walked up and down the valleys, at the streets and the slum areas of England taking care of those public rejects that nobody else cared anything at all about. Taking care of their physical needs and telling them about Jesus. 
William Booth did that. The first hospitals in America were started largely by Christians. Prior to the establishment of the first hospital, there was almshouses started by Christians that served as refuge shelters for the poor and the sick. The first almshouse was founded in 1713 by William Penn, the great Quaker. Now, this one is not on your, your outline, and, but it'll be my last one, that we would not have America today if it were not for our Lord having been born. Why? Because the pilgrims who came from England to America, the Puritans who came here came looking for religious freedom so that they could worship God according to the dictates of their own heart without any interference or interruption, that they could do that. And they came to America with that intent. The Mayflower Compact, I know that there are historians who don't like to refer to it, but the Mayflower Compact spelled out the basic needs of involving religion and worshiping of God and of Jesus Christ as the foundation upon which this new nation was to be formed. Uh, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, but if Jesus had never been born, then why would we want as Americans to have freedom of religion so that we could worship him? Who are we going to worship? Jesus would not have existed. America was settled by individuals seeking religious freedom, freedom to worship God. At least 90% of the signers of the United States Constitution considered themselves to be Christians. Patrick Henry said, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know in the early days of America that revivals were conducted in the dome of the United States Capitol in Washington, D.C.? They had preaching services in the chapel. People got saved in the chapel there at the, at the, Washington, at the capital of Washington, D.C. At his inaugural, President George Washington got down on his hands and knees and kissed the Bible. And afterwards, he led the Senate and members of the House of Representatives to a church where they had a two-hour worship service. Abraham Lincoln declared, it is the duty of nations as well as men to owe their dependence upon the overruling power of Almighty God and to recognize the sublime truth announced by the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord, is the Lord. So we would have maybe America, but again, Columbus, it is believed, came to America under what he believed to be divine providence. He believed that God brought him to discover the new world that we call America. But if Jesus had never been born, somebody else might would have discovered it. But in the beginning, there would be no America if Jesus had not been born. There is a story about a pastor who fell asleep in his study on Christmas morning. It wasn't me, okay? But he went to sleep in his study on Christmas morning. He dreamed that he found himself walking through his house. There was no Christmas tree. No stockings, uh, stockings were hung over the fireplace. No decorations filled the room. No sign of Christmas anywhere. He walked outside his house. There were no Christmas lights anywhere. There was not even a church to be seen. Returning to his study, he looked at his books. 
Every book that he was supposed to have had about Jesus had disappeared. About that time, the doorbell rang. He opened the door and a stranger said, please come. There's a lady dying and she's asking for a minister. He rushed to the lady's side and when he got there, he opened his Bible. But his Bible ended at the book of Malachi. A few days later, he preached the lady's funeral. But he couldn't comfort the family with words about the resurrection or a home in heaven. He could not say to them, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He realized that it was all because Jesus had never come. He had never been born. But then he awoke from his dream. He could hear the choir singing, rehearsing for the worship service. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come and let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Well, thank God Jesus did come. He was born. Our Bible is reliable and the gospel is preached and there's salvation for all who will trust him. Let's bow together. Oh, Father, forgive us for the times that we've taken you for granted. And we say that we believe in Jesus, but we act as though he never really was born. It's different to, to make words come out of our mouths when nothing in reality resides in our hearts. Forgive us for being hypocritical and play acting, saying one thing and living another way, just as though Jesus had never been born. But we thank you that he has been, that he was born in Bethlehem of Judea, that we have the privilege of celebrating his birth every Christmas and live every day for him because of it. And I pray that our church will never forget that, that we have the wonderful opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. And now as we turn our attention to the time of invitation, Holy Spirit, we believe that because Jesus was born and lived and died and rose from the dead and ascended to the Father, that he sent you back so that you could be here at this very present moment, that if there's someone here today who's never trusted Christ, that there would be an explanation, clear explanation to them in their hearts and in their minds as to who Jesus is to the point that they could repent of their sins and embrace him and invite him into their hearts and lives so that they could live forever and be forgiven of their sins. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll take charge of the service, of the invitation. May your will be done. We'll thank you and praise you forever throughout all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Andre is going to come and lead us as we stand and sing. If God is speaking to you, please come.